Welcome to If Billboards Could Talk, interviews with the top leaders, innovators, and creators in the out-of-home advertising community, sponsored by Flyby Ads. Okay, fantastic. Um, awesome. All right, well, we are going to begin. Everyone, okay. welcome to the first installment of If Billboards Could Talk. Uh, I'm very excited about our first episode ever because we have the legendary Andrea Messimer Henley with us. But in all honesty, I mean, I'm just going to call her the mayor of out of home. I don't know right? if there's anything that she's not doing right now. Uh, I actually checked it out and then Andrea will certainly have you give a little bit of background, but um, I looked to try to see how many LinkedIn connections you have. And I think my non premium uh, account only allowed me to see it just said 999 plus. So I don't know how many LinkedIn connections you have, but it's certainly more than 999. Um, I've also never seen this. You've received 35 LinkedIn recommendations, which is like unheard of. Pretty sure I have zero. So um, (laughs) from Michigan, lives in Tampa, is doing this interview from her sunny back deck while it's freezing cold here in Denver. We are jealous. Um, But yes, again, welcome everybody. (laughs) I'm Jack Delahey. This is Jordan Tannenbaum. We're co-founders of Flyby Ads. But much more importantly today, um, we're hosting If Billboards Could Talk because really the whole basis of this podcast is we've had a fair amount of coffee dates as we've kind of entered the out of home world. And um, it is these coffee dates where I feel like we learn the most. So we wanted to bring these coffee dates to everyone's, uh, you know, smartphone where they can listen anywhere. So Andrea, thanks for joining us. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. What a great introduction. (laughs) Um, I, on LinkedIn, I have, I think 6,000 connections. So just to let you know that, um, and then the 35 recommendations, my, I've worked really hard at getting those, um, but I've given a lot of them too. So people feel like if you give, you know, they feel like they need to give back. Um, but what my goal is, and I haven't been in the business 35 years, but is to get a new one every year. So that it's not like dated and it's still relevant and um every year there's new people you connect with so i try to you know keep it fresh so linkedin's super important i love it well i don't think we've given one yet so perhaps (laughs) if the podcast goes well if it goes terribly forget about it but if it goes well perhaps we can uh, add to that (laughs) yeah and i'll give one back because you guys have been amazing our first first recommendation yeah amazing um, well, so Andrea, before we kind of dive into the, uh, you know, your experience in out of home, because I'd love to, you know, learn a little bit more about it. You just, you wear many hats. I mean, so you own a gym, is that correct? Anytime. Yes. Fitness? yes. My husband and I own a gym. Yes. Um, that we acquired the, um, it's a national franchise, anytime fitness, people don't know who that is. Um, it's access 24 hours um there are 2500 of them worldwide and i think what people don't really know about anytime fitnesses is when you become a member at one you can go access all of them so if you're traveling or in a in an area you know where you have a hotel gym where you're not like there's not a lot of good equipment your key fob will get you into any of them worldwide we even had Customers say, I was in Ireland, I used my key fob, and it worked. (laughs) 
So um, we acquired that in, gosh, 2015. So it's going on four years. My husband runs it. I do the back end and pay the bills. That's, that, that's about it. And try to help out with the social media side. So that, that's, yeah, that's another hat, of course. Wow, I love it. Well, um, that was almost a pitch for us. We're 24-hour uh, fitness members, but I got to say, we visit New York and LA all the time, and those are the only two locations where our like basic membership just doesn't work. Um, they claim that New York and LA are yeah. like premium. Are, are those gyms nicer? <laughs> Absolutely not. They're actually less nice than our own, but they are uh, premier locations, so we have to pay premier prices for that. So maybe we'll look into any time. Yeah, absolutely. LA, we have LA. I don't believe there's many in like the city of New York, but the the outskirts. So um, they business model is really interesting too, where the um, the CEO acquired many of the ballet ballet fitness centers, and they had like the big I don't know um, pools and all these kind of things that people were paying for but never using. So they took the business model and said, what do people want? They want 24 hour access. They want equipment. They want, you know, clean and uh, more of a boutique kind of friendly atmosphere. So, I mean, the business model is really working for them. It's 2,500 now. So it's been a interesting business to have. It's that's a great business without the customers. <laughs> well, uh, I, I honestly, now having known you for probably six months, maybe a little bit longer, uh, I have no doubt that, you know, <laughs> you're successful in the, in the fitness world. Um, also obviously in the out of home world. So, um, would love to kind of just quickly dive into your background. We know a little bit some of our viewers, listeners probably will know a little bit about you considering I feel like everyone in the out-of-home world at least knows who you are. Um, but you started out at Adams, right? You want to talk about kind of you? I did. Um, it was several years ago. <laughs> um, it was actually 1996. Um, and I had graduated from college. I was selling copiers. Um, which was brutal. I mean, talk about rejection. And I had sold a copier to Adams Out. Um, I didn't really know what they did. I knew they did some advertising of some sort. But one of our um, jobs, or I guess we had to do, is train um, the staff on how to use the copy machine. So we had to go over the features and benefits and they really liked those applications and they said, well, when are you going to come work for us? And I was like, I didn't know you were hiring. What, what do you guys do here? <laughs> and uh, it became, you know, they had a territory. It was in Jackson, Michigan. Um, you know, I had no idea what out, out of home was. I saw the billboards on the highway and I just figured somebody up. I didn't realize there was a whole business behind it. Um, you know, I always thought of it as like a truck stop kind of advertising and didn't realize, oh my gosh, you can utilize this as posters and, and different types of advertisers. We literally would go out at that time and have a piece of paper or a napkin and just kind of sketch up a drawing. And then you'd see it, you know, be produced and it'd be larger than life. You're like, we have it that started on a napkin. Now it's on the street. It was really cool to see the process evolve and, and um, they just stopped painting billboards at that time. 
So it would take 45 days to get a billboard up. And that's why they were up so long at that time, long term, because they hand painted them um, from start to finish and they would stay up a year for five years. So it was interesting. And I remember the first time that a digital printer and it was like one of those big, like when you could get those Hallmark cards and you could customize them and it would print it it take like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something, but we are all fascinated by it. So I've seen the industry change quite a bit. Um, there were cigarettes on billboards when I started out, and you know, that went away, and everybody thought the industry was going to collapse. Um, but they, you know, with that, we replaced a lot of premium locations um, through the dot-com stage. So it's always evolved. Um, in some capacity, you know, it's always it's a standalone medium and then it's also good part of the media mix So it supports other media and then it also can be by itself. That's what I that's what I love about it Well, that's fantastic and, uh, it, Yeah, so Adams, um, I, I worked for Kevin Gleason. He was the first CEO that I worked for scared to death of him. <laughs> He's probably gonna watch this um, He was very intimidating <laughs> And he was, but he was so knowledgeable and I learned so much from him. And I do credit a lot of my success to him, um, whether he knows that or not, he would say things like, you know, we, we people will be concerned about turnover, managers leaving. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter what market you work for or who you work for, if you are talented, that will come through. You could work for anybody. Um, just, you know, think about yourself, worry about yourself and everything will fall in, into place. And he was such a creative genius that the Adams outdoor billboards always stood out from everybody else because they did like really cool 3D executions and, you know, that really sold long-term. And I still believe that. So believe if you have the right execution, like what you what we did together, you know that's really makes an impact for the long term. So, yeah, absolutely. And you can you can you elaborate a little bit? I know you had told us, um, you know, previously that he kind of introduced to you this long term sales approach. Um, especially I think in an industry that sometimes is focused on the immediate short-term, you know, month-long buys, you've kind of always had a much more kind of long-term vision for, for your sales approach. Is that true? And if so, can you elaborate on that? Yes, I think it's, I think there's a couple of, and, and I've seen the industry change where obviously people want things immediate, but I always use this philosophy of slow down to go faster slow down, understand what the customer is trying to accomplish, their needs, don't just go, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get a quick sale, I'm gonna put this up, um, let them dictate what we put on there, and you know, hope for the best. Well, I, I, would, I would go in more as a consultant and say, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? Like, the car dealers always wanted to put their car and this special and that, and, this, and I'm like, no, let's put together a campaign. Let's really simplify it long-term. I remember doing that one at Adams 
being like, you sell cars, you're really, really good at that, but this is what we do. So you need to trust in what we, we can help you with. And we stripped away the, the price, the car, we made it about the people, the lifestyle of the people that are gonna connect with the brands. And we did, I don't know, several different images of people that would buy, you know, and like, a, and match that campaign to the, the lifestyle and the personality. Well, he was like, I do not want to do this. You know, I'm like, just trust me. I said, I want your business long term. And I'm not here to make a quick sale. And if this doesn't work, we'll readjust it, you know. And we put the campaign up. It was all over Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he's, he called me up. He goes, you're right. He goes, people are coming in and seeing, you know, these bright, bold images. And they're all over. And this was a guy that we were really trying to get his business for a long time. And he was like, what are we going to do next? Let's do this for a year. Let's talk about the next campaign because it worked. And um, that's what I really try to, to do. And I think the things are you know, changing quite a bit. I just read today that on Forbes top nine outdoor executions, right? We're living in this digital world, but eight of them are statics. Eight of the best executions because you get the wow factor. And yeah, you can supplement it with digital and digital does a lot of things, but I think people are like, oh, it's immediate, it's quick, we can change it out. And that is, that is great. But if you really wanna get that impact, that wow factor, you can't even get that from social media. But if you marry that impact and that wow factor, like what we did for the Super Bowl, um, the social media is living on longer than the actual rooftop for the Super Bowl. People are still sharing. I got a hundred thousand views on three posts. And so it's not about seeing it from the airplane. Yeah, that is really, really cool. And you can do that. But somebody, I said, it's a virtual market ride. You know, somebody in California that's not going to be going to Atlanta has seen my posts or your posts or whoever. So they have, they're part of the experience. So those are the things that I really think sell and improve the model and then also make an impact and you can still do things long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll definitely touch on the uh, social media aspect of, of all this too, as you know, you are kind of the queen sure. of out-of-home social media, but we'll get to that uh, in cool. due time. I do I want to kind this. of go back. So that was great. <laughs> well, that was great from kind of the creative aspect of it, uh, which, you know, great insight, but from a strictly sales perspective, going back to this kind of, you know, work slow to work fast, work slow to go fast. From the sales side of things, you know, what kind of uh, recommendations or suggestions do you have to kind of keep that relationship going with some of these, you know, prospects? Uh, you know, what do you kind of do in terms of calling on them over the period of a year? Uh, anything special that you do that you know, has enabled you to really create these lasting relationships and ultimately, you know, land deals. Sure. I mean, a lot of people want to know, like, you've got to pay attention to their business. If there is a press release or somebody that they just hired or there's something that they're new, just did, you know, that was really cool that's in the news, um, share the link. Hey, I really thought this was a great thing you did. Compliment them. Let them know that you're part of their business and you're paying attention to their 
because then you can say, hey, I think this, you know, might be a good fit for what you're trying to do. I read, you know, this article, if you can bring things back to people in their words and have, you know, marry that with a solution or an idea. And the biggest thing that I've learned from agencies is come up with new ideas. Be there at the beginning of the creative inception. Everybody thinks you need to go to the buyers and the planners, but really the campaigns start with the creative people. Um, so if you can come up with an idea, not step on their toes, but say, hey, I was thinking about this. Um, visuals sell, you know, spec artwork. I can't stress that enough. I mean, people don't get it until they see it. You know, you're like, oh, it's really cool. It's big and bold you show them some another execution but if you customize it to their business and you take it in there they can't they're like they can't help but pay attention um and then i i do i was on the agency side too and i think that something that could help people is they get really busy and trying to turn proposals around right so you get a request and you're like okay this is all available i'm going to send it boom you send it off and you hope for the best, you know, pick up the phone and get, uh, talk to them, say, this is why I chose these three locations for four locations, because it matches up to your audience. Or this is, if you're, you know, a fast food place, this is close to your, you know, your locations, this exit is right there. You know, you can prompt immediate, um, act, you know, action, call, call to action. So, I mean, why did you select those? There's not a lot of thought, you know, and if you know their business in depth and you know the market, you know, why those locations or why this makes sense, that really stands out because I would get a lot of proposals just sent to me and then it's kind of like, okay, you figure it out. You know, it's like, I don't know your market, but if just, like I said, slow down, Go to go faster. If you slow down and you talk to them about did it, this fits your needs, let's get together. Let's even get on a video call. A lot of people want to do things over email, but there's nothing like having the face-to-face -face if you can, or be just doing a video chat. Say, this is why I you know, chose these for you. Let's go through the proposal. What questions do you have? You know, a lot of times people will let us sit on their desk. And then those locations are sold or expired. Oh, you know, let's set up another appointment to go through the proposal, see if you have any questions. Um, I put these billboards on hold for you for, you know, eight hours. So let's, let's, let's make sure that you don't lose those. There's, you got to create also a sense of urgency and then also, you know, kind of facilitating and helping the customer along because they're doing a lot of things throughout the day. They're getting, you know, they're in meetings, they're looking at other proposals. So if you stand out as a representative, even though you might not have the, you know, a lot of times we're at a disadvantage with some of the, you know, other medias, but if you can stand out and you can show them that you, that you care about their business and you really thought about why you put this together, you don't have to worry about the competition. Stand out because Business owners want to know that you are more of a consultant and you're going to be there for them.
versus somebody that's just trying to get a quick sale. Right. Absolutely. No, that's great. And so you brought up kind of that communication stream and you know, we've, we've seen some articles from you in the past about kind of this new generation of both on the brand side and the agencies with kind of the millennials coming into the workforce, kind of that next generation. Have you seen any changes in that communication stream? I mean, is it, is it as easy to pick up the phone and call or have a, you know, face-to-face -face chat with this new age of, you know, a workforce that is often, you know, would prefer an email or prefer to kind of stay digital. So how, how have you seen that change? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we, I work with a lot of different people, like different ages, different, you know, um, and you have to look at the individual, you know, there might be an older person that prefers email. Um, and then there's some people you kind of get to know, okay, they like text, they're on social media. When you start to understand how the individual responds because if they're not responding to an email but oh my gosh they responded to a text you keep texting them you know whatever works um i awesome. try that's to why get... you've been texting us okay now yeah. I, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I know where, i know where to find you guys um social media is huge and the the perception is it's just the younger gender everybody everybody has tied to their phone it's their third arm you know, um, from Gen Z to millennials to boomers to Jenna, everybody is on their phone. And I read a statistic that you check your, people check their phone on average every four minutes. So whether they can respond. <laughs> that's, that's a scary thought. Every four minutes and sometimes oh. more. I mean, unless you're sleeping or you have it turned off, but we're so tied into it. You've got your email on it, you have social media. You get notifications in different ways, but you know, um, the face-to-face -face is definitely the best, but if you can't, you know, you got to kind of adapt. I think email is kind of getting a little, you know, it used to be a great way to communicate, but you get so much spam now that people, you got to kind of stand out on email, right? So right now I'm doing a video emails um, to where I can get on there for 30 seconds. Hi, this is Andrea. I want to tell you about what's going on at Circle Graphics. Um, we have a new division. I'd love to. I'd love to set a time to talk to you and respond right here. You know, and they can opt in. They can email you. Can see if they opened it. You know, that's the biggest thing. You send out an email and you're like, did they open it? Did they get it? Did they? Should I email them again? But I like that intuitive feedback that you know you get from video. So, I mean, it's all, you always have to come up with something creative. Which I think kind of just summarizes you in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, always coming up with something creative, whether it's how you're communicating or a new advertisement. Um, which is, a billboard to reach out to somebody in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. <laughs> um, so, all right. I got to ask, speaking of creative, I've heard tale of this McDonald's 3D cup story. Can you, can you okay. elaborate? What is it? I mean, I, it sounds incredibly creative. I don't know much more, but would love to hear the story. Oh my gosh. So when I was in working at CBS Outdoor, which is now out front in Tampa, um, one of the campaigns that I was working on is remember when Mick Cafe came out. I mean, it seems like yesterday to me, but it was 10 years ago. <laughs> the launch, and it was tied in with like ER, you know, dreamy, steamy, 
Um, so they wanted to really do this huge launch with 3D cups and then um, do like a hundred showing throughout Tampa Bay. Well, they, they said we need, because we have, I think they have, I don't know how many franchisees they have now, but they had like, I want to say like a hundred of them in the, in the Tampa Bay DMA. And, you know, there's franchise people in Pasco County, Pinellas, Hillsboro, all over. Um, but they're like, we need one iconic flagship 3D location, which is in, you know, the, the heart of Tampa. So they were saying it has to be a right-hand read. It has to be at I-4 and Jordan, you know, yeah. 275, oh. headed towards downtown. I'm like, oh my gosh, these billboards are tied up. These don't exist, you know? It's like they're long-term clients and they're, well, at the time, Clear Channel, they have one that's a 20 by 60 and Chick-fil-A has been on it forever. Well, for whatever reason, that one was gonna be available. I'm like, oh, darn thing, you know? Um, I gotta figure out something. So Verizon Wireless was coming down off of one that we had at CBS Outdoor, but it was a left-hand read. <laughs> Um, it, it was, but it was one of those where you just drove into it. You know, you're coming into downtown. I was like, okay, Chick-fil-A is left-hand read. We're left-hand read. There's a 20 by 60. Ours is 14 by 40. I mean, you start doing apples to apples. I'm like, who's going to get it? Who's going to get, is it going to be Clear Channel or is it going to be CBS Outdoor? We're all going to get a piece of this buy, but everybody wanted the 3D cup. So um, we ended up getting it. Um, I, I took them on a market ride, and this is huge. And I tell people this, you gotta get in the car with the client and drive by it. We drove by it several times, and like, look, you drive right into it, it's right near the road. Um, the 20 by 60 is really high up. You know, is that gonna be, you want these cups to be steaming, you're gonna have to. I, mean, I was really selling the location. And even though it was a left-hand read, they're like, you're right. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> um, but we need a mock-up because we, we have to pitch this to McDonald's. You know, we have to, I was working with FKQ. And so there was a guy in Texas. His name is Jerry Small. Unfortunately, he passed away. He was a great guy. He did a lot of the 3D executions. He sent us like this huge, almost full-size, mock-up of what these were going to look like um so we took it in to fkq they loved it they're like can we keep this we're like no we paid like a couple thousand dollars for that we need it back um but it was great so we we got we ended up getting the business so he's there's three d three 3d cups and they, two of them had steamers so how how do you get the steam right it's either water or some sort of substance that kind of gas you know gases or i don't know we wanted to use water so we ran these hoses up and we were used you were used we actually owned the location um that the billboard was on so we could use we could access the water um and we had these hoses that well they were they, they were they got up, we took a picture, it was steaming. We're like, yes. Well, the hoses ended up snapping. So the, the FKQ people and McDonald's people were driving by saying, there's no steam, there's no steam. So we kept running out there. And then this, 
the hoses were dripping and there happened to be homeless people at the bottom of the billboard living down there. And they were complaining that they were getting wet. And I'm like, really? So then there happened to be a drought in Tampa. No one could water their lawn. That means definitely we can't just send, you know, water in the air and the atmosphere is just so wasteful. So we're like, what are we going to do? FKQ is like, you know, part of this whole execution is the same. I'm like, look, this is the law. We cannot, you know, continue to do this. We're going to get, we're going to be shut down, but they were adamant. So we ended up going down to the Port Authority and getting reclaimed water in tanks and wow. filling it up. One tank would last, I think, four days. So we kept it going. I mean, these, they were calling me all the time. <clears throat> Steam's not working. Steam's not working. I'm like, but, you know, through the whole thing, it ended up being, a, you know, a, an iconic location. People still talk about it. The cups were as large as like an average size of an SUV. So that's how big they were. Um, but it was a great story. But I think people don't under, you know, realize that how much stuff happens on the back end. You see the end result and you're like, oh, cool. This is really cool. But you have no idea that all the, all the drama and the chaos. I feel like there should be like a move, you know, like a reality show. So that was that was a great campaign to work on um they ended up using the cups again for their smoothie campaign they just paint, painted them pink um so i i don't know if they still exist or not but they've been around for a long time in tampa so wow. that was a great story well well that is that is fantastic i think <laughs> you know it's kind of funny i think what what jordan and i have realized that we love about this whole out-of-home community is it's full of problem solvers. I mean, the, uh, you know, that is not the first story like that that we've heard where it's kind of like, Hey, you know, we, we got to figure it out. There's a drought. Uh Oh, what are we going to do? We need this steam to come off the, the board. Um, and we've certainly experienced our fair share of, of hurdles as well. So absolutely relate to that story and, and love it. And I think that's kind of something that, you know, the out of home community, at least from what we've seen embraces almost right. Like, you know, get your hands dirty and figure it out. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, it was great. I mean, they, then that's another example of long-term. So, you know, the launch of the cafe was going to be 90 days Well, that, that billboard stayed up for like a year and a half, you know? So it was because of the investment on the front end and then because of the impact that it had and the, you know, we didn't even have social media back then. So, just people driving by and the feedback, they loved it. So they kept that one up even longer than the campaign. So. That's great. And since, after went <laughs> since you uh, brought up the word, I'll, uh, that, we'll use that as a segue to get into something that, you know, it seems like you're very passionate about. We see you all over the place online on the different social media platforms. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think there's kind of a, there's two ways to approach social media. There's one that like you would totally embraces it and says, you know, this is a way to get something like you said, that's static and, you know, can only be seen by those passing by to all of a sudden this becomes a national or even international campaign. Uh, and then there are definitely the naysayers who don't quite see the value yet. Uh, they think, you know, 
you might be wasting your time online when this is really, you know, more of a tangible physical uh, sell. So, you know, obviously we know your success online. Could you kind of elaborate on, I guess, what drove you to have this kind of social media uh, presence and what you would say to the person that might be skeptical about, you know, the, the true value behind it? Sure. I mean, in our industry, like out of home industry, we've unfortunately been kind of the underdog of meat traditional media, but I tell people it's like the best kept secret. Also, um, that's the most in your face, best kept secret, if that makes sense. Um, it, it's a great business. It's, you know, seven, eight, million dollars a year as an industry in the US. It's growing, it's evolving, but I saw a void. I saw, you know, there's a couple of publications and people were getting on LinkedIn and, you know, I think people thought of it as LinkedIn is a way, you know, to, to get my name out there if I'm looking for a job or something, or I just have to have a LinkedIn account. I'll just set it up and that'll be it. Well, it's the Facebook of business. And everybody's talking on Facebook. So you start by kind of, you know, setting up your page. Like you said, the recommendations, getting that. So when people view and you ask for a connection, they're like, wow, you know, a lot, you know, people put whatever they want in their title, but I really think you look at the recommendations as, okay, I can say whatever I want about myself, but what are other people saying? And that the endorsement is stronger. Um, so it started, kind of learning about LinkedIn, putting articles out there on um, people are afraid to put themselves out there. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to dive in and do it. You know, I've got a lot to say about the industry. I like to give back because, you know, I had to kind of figure it out on my own. I mean, I had a lot of people, you know, help me here and there, but it's like it's the experience, you know, the trial, the error, the, the McDonald's, things, you know, what would I have done differently? Um, and then LinkedIn is like where you have that audience, but it's more of an art than a science. People like to look at, you kind of figure out what people engage with, big bold photos. They want to see visuals. They don't want to read a bunch of stuff. They don't want to have to, you know, if it's just all about, you know, talk, I, I really try to promote other people versus just myself. Like what we did together that benefited me, but it was about your company. Um, and then you start to give back. If you start, you know, a conversation or asking a question or start commenting on people, a lot of people just want to like or share. Well, that's, that's not enough. You need to go a step further to really get the views, to really get the engagement for people to say, like sitting at the cool table, at the lunchroom, right? Everybody over yeah. here is talking. <laughs> I want to get over there too, you know? What are they talking about? What's Andrea doing now? You know, and trying to keep people engaged with visuals and, and content that, or ask somebody a question, tag them, what do you think? And then they're kind of like, they feel obligated to answer. But then when they get the feedback, oh, that was a great answer. I really like that then they feel a little bit more comfortable and engaging. I, I'm like, I don't care. I have an, I don't have anything to lose. You know, I've, I've put myself out there. It's working. It's helping people. I get a lot of people that contact me and say, 
Okay, what do you think about this? I mean, we're talking about heads of companies, not just, you know, people getting into the business. They're like, well, what, because I'm more of an unbiased voice. Like, what, what do you think? How can we do this? You know, in the inbox, and I'll help anybody. So you have to kind of give back to get, but you know, that's how it's really built. Um, and then you, like what we did, you know, I had the three posts where it was kind of like, people love teaser campaigns. You know, we're all curious human beings. Like, what is in that box? I need to know, you know? It's like, oh, something bigs are right. And then you, you just, if you do the build up and then the reveal, people, it, that's how I was successful with the posts that we did. Is really kind of, there's, you know, an out of home, people do a lot of teaser campaigns too. They don't really reveal what it is. A couple weeks later, then they'll say, you know, it'll just be one word coming soon. What is that with a date? So I know I've learned that from the industry of people really, really like to be curious and be part of it and try to guess like, who, who do you think the advertiser is going to be? That was one of them, you know, and I got Budweiser and Home Depot and Pepsi and a lot of different responses, but um, this keeps really engaged. So they're going to look at the next thing and go, who was that? I need to know. So just things like that, you kind of play the, the game and then, you know, give people something to look forward to. So well, you, you certainly do it right. I was, in, <laughs> I was in New York a couple weeks ago um, and got coffee with someone who said, you know, Andrea Messimer. I've definitely never met her, but I, I feel like I know her. <laughs> and it was just through LinkedIn. He's connected with you. Um, so you obviously do it right. And I think, you know, biggest takeaway that Jordan and I have learned and uh, just even from meeting you, you know, over the last really less than a year has been what you talked about. You are a giver. You give, 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 and then, you know, you shall receive um, without even asking. So um, once, I mean, this is a perfect example. You're coming on our podcast as the inaugural guest. Um, that's just how you, how you are. And, you know, again, we, we certainly appreciate it. And that's something we've tried to, you know, emulate our business with. Um, okay, Andrea, value, so. Value. Always provide value. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, uh, speaking of value, I want to jump into before we start to kind of uh, conclude here. We are now doing the first segment that I hope we'll do with every guest. We're going to keep a leaderboard, okay? So this hopefully will give some value to our listeners. If anything, you'll get a good laugh. Um, but we're going to call it the tagline game, right? So we're going to interview, ideally, many people in the out-of-home world. Advertising, one of the most significant aspects to advertising is a slogan or a tagline, right? So I've got five taglines here that I'm going to read to you okay. one at a time. And I'm going to do it with no inflection in my voice. And that's kind of important because sometimes these are on TV commercials, might go with a little jingle and I don't want to give it away. So okay. we're going to go and we're going to see how many you get. When I think I would have gotten two of these five. So <laughs> just so you know. But it's not saying. These are, these are all fairly notable brands in the United States. Um, and most of these taglines are still going today. Some of them have been somewhat retired, but were kind of too famous for me not to put in. All right, so you ready? This one might be your, your biggest layup. First one, first tagline. I'm okay. loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, McDonald's. Ding, ding, ding. Maybe I'll put in a little sound effect there if I can figure out how to, how to edit this. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, you're just kidding. 
Okay. Thank God I got one. Good. And <laughs> and it was one of your, you know, former clients. So I'm glad that that worked out. That would have been, I would have had to yeah. get that out if you'd gotten that wrong. Um, <laughs> um, okay. This, <laughs> this would be interesting. Taste the rainbow. Skittles. Right? Ding, ding, ding. Oh, good. Yeah. You. <laughs> nice. Okay. You ready? Uh, All right. Third one. Finger licking good. Chicken? Oh, fry, oh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> nice. Three for three. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Um, uh, this is really bad. Okay. <laughs> and I actually, where I eat and shop. I actually didn't know this one um, for such a notable company. So there's a little bit of a hint. Think different. Apple. Ding, ding, ding. Four for four. I truly did not know that one. I feel like that's not publicized enough, but you, you obviously did. Um, all right. Can we get the uh, five for five? Here we go. Okay. So this is, I, I will preface out of all of them. I do believe this phrase has mostly been retired, but it was really, really popular like six or seven years ago. Okay. There are some things money can't buy for everything else. There's blank. American Express? So close. MasterCard. Oh, MasterCard. MasterCard. Okay. okay. All right. Well done now. Four for five. That's a tough bar to hit. So I'm, I'm putting down your score right here. Four for five, Andrea Messimer. In the show notes on, the, um, on iTunes, this will have your score in there. So you are officially okay. on the leaderboard, number one position. Congratulations. <laughs> There's no one else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't, they don't have to know that. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. No, thank, that's fun. That's cool. Uh, no, that was, that was pretty good though, Andrew. So you, we can tell you uh, obviously take note of, you know, advertising taglines. All right, Andrea, before we let you go, two final, very quick concluding questions that we're going to ask any one of our guests. First, what is okay. the most significant business book you have read in your life that has helped your career? Oh, I would say it's the tipping point from Malcolm Gladwell. Um, because he there's this philosophy of having ten thousand hours. You can be an expert at anything through experience of in ten I have probably twenty thousand hours by now, but ten thousand hours you become an expert in that you are focused on and that's that was one of them so I love it all right and then lastly um this has been fantastic I'm I hope that there are listeners out there who are like if they're somehow not connected to you on LinkedIn they want to be now um but this is your time where can our listeners find you um what's the best way to find you how can they connect with you I'm sure you're going to have people who want to yeah, and LinkedIn, or I mean, even if you Google my name, a lot of um, my articles and things come up. I know that's one of the things that's out there. But yeah, definitely LinkedIn. It's um, Andrea Messmer Henley on LinkedIn. So that's that's probably. Uh, I don't want to give my phone number out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, Fantastic. Know, I, I, I will give back, but not that much. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Andrea, that wraps up our first inaugural episode of If Billboards Could Talk. Uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on and yeah, have a great pleasure. rest of your day. You. Obviously, hope to do um, plenty of business with you in the future. So thank you. All right. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Yeah,
Awesome. We'll be right back.